You are listening to the Vineyard Nordic podcast. We invite you to join us on the exciting journey of following Jesus and bringing the kingdom of God wherever we go. This episode was recorded at the Vineyard Nordic Summer Camp. In uh, late July 1988, God uh, or grace connected my life with value, passion, purpose, and destiny. I was 18 at the time. I'd been chased by grace for many years. But this particular day in the late July, I surrendered, I say yes. And it changed my life forever. It set a direction. It established my value in a way that I'd never, ever perceived of. So tonight, actually, you know, when I was praying about this little talk <clears throat> on this first evening of the summer camp, wonder, what is, Lord, what is it, what is on your heart? And the one thing that just stood out to me is, was the word grace. So let's talk about grace tonight. Is that okay? So what is grace? Let me just tell you what grace is not. Grace is not a reward. Grace is not a duty. Grace is not control. Grace is not pressure. It's not manipulative. Grace is God's unconditional, undeserved goodness and love demonstrated in, in the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ on the cross for you and me. That's the bottom line. That is grace. It's not something you can deserve. It's nothing you can um, accomplish. And so that makes the foundation for our lives so different from anything else that you'll ever come across. You'll never find it in religion. You'll never find it in any of the isms, atheism, materialism. And why? It's because grace comes from the, the very character of God. From the essence of who God is. What is the alternative to grace? You know, I actually... Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, where's my wife? I don't need her. <laughs> There's a very good substitute for that, actually. Thank you. Um, and so, as I said initially, in that day in July 1988, when I was... 18 years old, grace connected my life to value, passion, purpose, and destiny. So I want to try to elaborate a little bit on that. What, 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 how does God connect grace with value? Well, the first thing is that without God, you have no guarantee of human value. If you remove God, 
Human value is given over to the survival of the fittest, to the next wind, to whatever philosophical thought that is the one that is up for grabs in society. And so I want to read, start by reading, and I'm getting older, so I've gotten glasses now. Um, do you have it up there? Ephesians 2, verse 4. Actually, I'm going to start with verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions of, and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. Uh, in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here, Paul actually starts by talking about us being dead. And so you can't really talk about grace unless you understand sin. If there is no sin, there's no death. And then there's no need for grace. Does that make sense? And one of the concerns that I have uh, these days is that there is such a lack of understanding of the consequence of sin and which is actually a lack of, of revelation of the holiness of God. God is holy. He hates sin and the consequences of sin is death. Any sin, every, every sin leads to death. And so I'm concerned these days that Many young people, especially that I talk to, have such a light view of sin. Because unless you really get a good understanding of sin and the consequences of sin, you will never grasp grace. Does that make sense? And so, the type of grace that Paul is talking about and that I think that we want to embrace is not a cheap grace. Anything that has value costs something. So if you say that you have certain values and they never cost you anything, then it's not a real value, is it? 
is not really worth anything. You know, in our family, we have a value we call integrity. Now, that doesn't mean that we sometimes fail in that area, but we, we, we say that we value integrity and honesty. And um, that value has cost me hundreds and thousands of kroners. Why? Well, because over the course of the years when I've had to remodel my house and I hire some carpenter to help me, like when we moved to Oslo in 2011, I may have shared this before, but I think it's a really good example. So this carpenter, he was from Morocco. Great guy, I love him. And we had a lot of conversations. He was Muslim. I have my faith. And we had talks about that. But I said, you know, remember that I want it on an invoice. I don't want to uh, do it under the table. I want it to be legal. Now, my friend Qasim couldn't really understand why that was, it was so important. Because it was a win-win for both of us. I would save the money and he would not have to pay those, you know, taxes. But he got going, and, uh, and uh, so, so the taxes on the work is 25% on top in Norway. I don't know what, what it is in Sweden or, or Denmark. Same. Same? It's quite a lot of money, isn't it? And if you think about it too long, you could actually think of a lot of good things you could spend that money on, right? Don't do that. <laughs> and so I remember we, you know, Kasim came back and... and um, and, and we had to do some more, and I said, well, remember that I want it on an invoice because we want to get it right. And then he just throws his hands out and says, Per, he calls me Per, my name is Per Christian. Per, I don't get this about the taxes. Is it about God or is it about the state? Hmm? That's a good question, isn't it? So I said, well, Kasim, you know that it's actually illegal <laughs> to do it that way you're suggesting? And on the other side, but also about my relationship to God, it's, it has to do with also my faith. And then he just throws out his arms and says, well, you know that, Per, God doesn't like the taxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I was this close to becoming a Muslim. <laughs> if that is Islam. And so, if your values never cost you anything, if truth isn't worth anything, you will trade truth for any philosophical idea in society. And if, and so actually Paul, in the letter of Romans, he argues back and forth because he really preaches grace. You know, grace triumphs over wrath. And then he asks rhetorically, and then he says, should we then continue to sin since we know we will receive grace? Any of you have had that thought in your mind? It doesn't matter if I sin because grace is available to me, right? And he says, not at all. <laughs> he uses quite a strong language because grace demonstrated in the sacrifice of Christ is not a cheap grace, it's costly grace. It is costly grace. And so, by sacrificing himself for us, he demonstrates the value of your life. Do you know what your life is worth? 
the life of God's Son. That is the value and the integrity of your life. You were worth dying for. The sin that you did yesterday or today or will do tomorrow has been atoned for by actually Jesus choosing to give his life as a sacrifice. You know, almost 4,000 years ago, a man climbed up on a hill and was ready to sacrifice his son. And just as, about, as he was about to, to, to do the sacrifice, God says, stop, I will provide the sacrifice. And then 2,000 years later, almost, a man climbs up on a hill and his arms are being nailed to a cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. That is grace, friends. That is grace. And so, because grace comes out of the very character and heart of God, it has to do with love. And love finds, has three expressions as it's described in the, in the scriptures. So you have three, basically three Greek words that describe love. The one is eros, the other one is philia, and the third one is agape. Now eros is the erotic sexual love. It's reactional. It's a desire um, which is God-given towards another human being. Then you have philia, which is, which is friendship kind of love. It's also reactional where you admire the other's um, traits or you share life or interests and you just, you, you develop friendship. But then you have this very, very unique love. Agape. And when John, in the first letter of John, says that God is love, the word is God is agape. And agape, it's the unconditional, undeserved goodness in spite of things. Not ever expecting anything back. That's agape kind of love. So if you want to look with me, I, I don't have it up there, but I have it in this book. In Romans 5. Therefore, says Paul, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith in his grace, into his grace, in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering, listen to this, produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous, uh, for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated, demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who does that? 
who actually chooses to give his life as an expression of love for someone who will, who will never return it? That's the source. That's the kind of love that God is calling us into. That's the kind which couples, you know, love with grace. But you cannot talk about grace or with, about love with also talking about truth. I'm going to read another passage for, from Ephesians. Um, Ephesians 4, verse 14. <clears throat> Then, and it's again Paul talking about becoming mature in Christ, and then he says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of man in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. It's interesting he talks about those who are not growing into maturity in Christ as being victims of the wind, um, like infants being tossed back and forth. As I was praying about this, I felt an urge to address two issues that, um, that are controversial because they are very personal to many people and, very, and quite frankly, quite painful, but that reflects the winds of our society. In our country, uh, in Norway, the last year, um, basically, in my mind, two things have stood out. One thing is the, uh, the, the debate about abortion last fall because of the, the, the new government, a new debate about abortion, and then the last couple of weeks, pride. Have you picked that up? Um, and those are, so let me start about, to talk about abortion. That's a painful thing, isn't it? But we can't not talk about it. We can't not have search for God's purposes and God's heart and compassion and will for it. How does grace speak to a person who has either taken abortion or have taken an abortion. And why is there such a powerful energy and anger in, this, in these debates? Have you noticed that? There's a lot of anger, a lot of emotions. Yeah. Well, I think it's personal. I, well, I think it's because it's personal. I am one of those who, of course, are for abortion. If abortion is about the woman's right over her own body. Of course I am. I probably spend more time, energy, and, and money than most other feminists on fighting for women's rights over their own body. And I know many of you are involved also in that. At Vintage, we are passionately committed 
to abolishing human trafficking in our time. Why? Because women, but and also others, do not have control over their own body. I think it's a violation, and I think it devalues humanity when people do that. Now, if abortion is about taking a life, then of course I am against abortion. And so, what then is it? And then we have to go back to scriptures. When does life start? And what is the real value of life? And when I talk about abortion, which is painful to many people, and I really have a lot of compassion with those who've gone through it and chosen to do it, I very seldom find it you know, helpful to talk about that tiny percentage where it's about rape or incest or something like that because 98% or something is really about convenience. It doesn't fit with my life where it goes. And I know it might feel offensive to some of you that I use the word convenience and, and I, in lack of a better word, but I think we as a church... And society needs to step up to people who are, for some reason, find themselves in a situation where they're considering taking the life of their child. And I know that they're not thinking of convenience. They feel that it's, I can't cope with it. I don't know how to say this in a compassionate way. So please have mercy with me. But I just felt strongly that I think... Grace reaches out to those of you who've made that choice, made that mistake, whatever the circumstance. It may have felt impossible at a time. But God is compassionate. And I think he is able to heal and restore those who have that pain. That makes sense? Then the other issue of, of, of um, well, again, I don't know how it's been here, but it seems to be in the news all the time about same-sex attraction. And um, I'm one of those who, you know, some of the finest people I know have same-sex attraction. And um, every time that I witness someone devalue people, because they say they are gay, I feel a holy anger. Just as I do when I see girls or boys being trafficked or other people being devalued because I believe every creation, every person has, has been created with an eternal value. You know, I, I think I've told this story in, in this setting before, but when I was probably 21 or 22 or something, I was working as a taxi driver in Oslo, and one night I had an, a, a man, I felt he was really old at the time, probably in his early 40s, uh, got into my car late in the evening, and he said, can you drive me to the uh, Continental Hotel? 
And I said, sure. And then we, he, because he said, I'm, and he said, is the bar open? Because I, I want to go out and drink. And I said, I don't know, but I'll drive you there. This was in Oslo in the early 90s. And as we're driving, we get into a conversation. And, and through that conversation, I, I tell him that I'm a Christian. And then it just gets quiet in the backseat of my car. And then he, uh, he says, well, I'm gay. And I thought, okay, what do you do with that? And then he tells his story, and, as, um, and he says that when I was going through confirmation class when I was 14, I was one of the most eager persons to learn about the Bible, and, and, and I went through all that. But then the pastor of the church found out that I was uh, homosexual, and he called me into his office, and he said, if I had known this about you, I would never have confirmed you. And as he's telling me this, this man is in the back seat of my car, is weeping. And I, and I thought, I don't know what I thought. I just, I reached out for the most classical Christian prayer deep in my heart, help, you know? And James says that when you ask God for wisdom in faith, he gives it to you. So I more or less hear myself telling this stranger, this in, in, in my car, I say, you know what? I want, as a Christian, I want to ask forgiveness on behalf of that pastor. And then he didn't quite get what I was saying, so he thought I was judging him and he got aggressive. He said, no, 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 wait. I don't believe Jesus would have treated you in this way. He loves you. And, uh, and I just want to ask your forgiveness for the way you were treated. treated. And then I shared about the the Father heart of God, and how God embraces and loves him. And then we got to the outside of the hotel. I stopped the meter, and then I, re- I turned around and I said, hey, do you mind if I just pray for you? And then he said, okay, and then I prayed for him, and I prayed that he would know the Father's love. And, and I had barely said amen when he says, well, turn around and drive me back home. <laughs> and I said, What? <laughs> And he says, well, I can't go on a drink now. <laughs> That's practical, isn't it? <laughs> now he says, well, no, start the car, get going. I said, okay. And, and, and then I start driving the same route back. And he says, um, you know, well, actually, he just, he, the Holy Spirit was so powerfully on him, so his whole body was shaking. So he starts to comment, he's shaking, what is happening to me? And then, uh, and then he said, well, what is happening to me? What would, what would my friends say if I became a Christian? <laughs> I said, That's what you're worrying about? And then he said, do you, do you have a book or something that, that is not a difficult Bible study, but just what you said, that God is a father and he loves me? And I said, yeah, I think I have that. So if you get me your address, I'll, I'll send you something. And then we got back to his address, and, and he, we both get out of the car, and, and um, you know, I, I said, uh, you know, and two times while we were just standing there talking, he looks at me, and he's as, he, it's as though he sees something else, and he just looks at me, and he says, where'd you get that power from? So I said, you know, Jesus loves you, really. He knows you. And uh, if you 
want to, you can, give your, you can receive Jesus tonight. And then he says something really profound. He says, no, I can't do that. Because the pastor is still in the way. And then he says, but, now I think I would be able to forgive him. If he were here now, I would reach out to him and I would tell him what you did to me was not right, but then I would forgive him. And I was thinking, wow. I mean, I wasn't super smart. I was just like 21 or two or something. But I could figure that this is God. God is touching people. Not because he was gay, but because God loves him. Right? It has nothing to do with sexual orientation. Right? But he desperately needed the Father's love. And so, you know, I've been praying for him ever since. And, uh, and I'm sure he also prays for me every once in a while, you know? But, I'm, but that moment actually did something. God spoke to me about the integrity and value of, 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 of lives. Your life, whatever kind of attraction you have, you have an incredible value in, in the eyes of your creator. So, I still get really, I get this sense of holy anger when homosexual friends or people with, you know, whatever they have are mocked or devalued by other, by other people. We should never accept that. I want to fight and stand up for people who are being devalued. Does that make sense? And so, but how does grace speak into this? Because I think it was evident to me that love was here, right? But then if you look at Ephesians, the the passage we just wrote, instead speaking the truth in love. So love, agape kind of love, can never be separated from truth. And so how do you then deal with it? Because you read through the scriptures and you try to search what is the Father's heart or purpose for, for, for our sexuality. And I'm one of those who really believe that intention becomes, becomes before expression. And a lot of young people today are confused and so they go for their sexual, sex, sexual expression before they actually found, root their lives in God's intention for their sexuality. And so I read through the scriptures and I, I can't get away from God saying that he created them as man and woman and that he designed the, the lifelong public um, marriage between man and woman as the framework in God's design for expressing sexuality. Can't get around it. And I remember one day I was sitting back home and I was reading these things and I was being a little stressed. I don't know if you ever get stressed by society or the, or, 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 or the media or things, but I was a little stressed about, because it's, it's so politically correct to be, be before um, um, homosexual, uh, homosexual relationships. You know, everyone should love everyone, right? And then I'm 
studying the scripture, and, and, and God's word is really clear. And then I've, I remember I was sitting, I was, I was wrestling with God, and I said, it would be so easy if you had just, if you could just say that it's okay. <laughs> and then I remember, I, I, I remember the Holy Spirit whispered to me, so you think you're more gracious than me, don't you? You think that you have more grace than I do? Really? Oops. In my rationalizing, I was actually accusing God's truth coupled with love for not being gracious. And I had to repent of it. And so I'm still wrestling with embracing uh, sinners and rejecting sin because sin always leads to death. But grace triumphs, uh, triumphs over that. The second thing grace did to me, connected me with that day, and I'll run through these issues not so, you know, quite quickly, passion. In Philippians 2, Paul says, God works, it is God who works in you to both will and to do according to his good purposes. Any of you have ever had a passion to do something that is really good and that is for the benefit of somebody? No? It's dark here, I can't see you. Okay, so it's, it's, it's him. It's God's work in you. And so grace reaches out for you and creates and connects you with with passion for righteousness and justice and for the good things. And I knew that from that moment in July 1988, my passion was to, to, to honor him and love him and share him with people and to extend justice to people and his grace and love. And then purpose. We are to love the Lord our God, with all our hearts, our minds, and soul. We are to honor him and worship him and say yes to him every day. And in that, fulfill his purposes. God has given us this graceful invitation to actually be used as instruments in his hand to bless people. You know, when I was 20, I was invited up to the local state church that I was a part of at the time and to do a little Bible talk. And after that evening, prompted by the Holy Spirit, one of the couples who were there called me and invited me to their apartment. And it was a couple uh, in their early 60s. Kari Od Strömberg. They invited me to their home, and, 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 and I, I was kind of like, why? <laughs> And they said, well, when you spoke, God just gave us a compassion for you and we would like to serve his purposes by praying for you. And ever since then, they prayed for me every morning until they died. Now, they did a lot of other good stuff too. And I, I don't know all their prayers, but I am quite confident that God has answered a lot of them because God has really dealt with me over the years. But God, they, were, they just said yes to God. 
prompted by him, invited by him to, to serve this young, immature boy, and said, we want to pray for you and, and, and God's calling on your life. Amazing. And so I would always call them if I had something important going on, you know. Please pray for me. And they would, you know. Um, you never know. You never know when God is fulfilling his purposes through you. If you every day say yes to him, you will probably find out someday, really far later, <laughs> how God has been using you. About three years ago, in March 2016, I had been in a business meeting. I was working in the corporate world. I had been meeting with uh, an ex executive person in a large global firm. And I was sitting in my car on my way back to, to the office in Oslo. And um, <clears throat> as I'm driving, there's this man, a foreign man, with his thumb out hitchhiking. And prompted by the Holy Spirit, I just stepped on the brake and let him in. And I, and I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going downtown, going to a place downtown. I thought, okay, I'm not going there, but I could, I'll, I'll drive you there. And as we started to talk, he started to tell his story. He was a refugee from Afghanistan. He was a NATO interpreter, had been persecuted by the Taliban, and eventually he had to flee the country. And he now came to, Oslo, to Norway as a refugee. Before, and this was just like a 20-minute car drive. Before we, uh, he, he left the car, uh, we exchanged phone numbers, and I prayed, with, prayed for him. And then, a couple of weeks later, he calls me, down to the center where the, the refugees are, and he said, could you please help me and read a letter from the Nor Norwegian authorities, because it's in Norwegian. And basically, it was his letter of rejection for asylum, telling him, you have to leave the country within two weeks. And because I had to interpret it, I actually read it, and it didn't make sense. This was clearly a person who, 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 who needed protection. And so he was granted two hours with a lawyer, so I said, could I go with you to the lawyer? And so we did and we appealed to the higher uh, organization that does that, and he was rejected again. And then I read that, and I involved other of the friends at Vintage, and uh, I'm so proud of them. They, they poured time, energy, and money into getting the best lawyer, and I think four months later, um, he was granted asylum. Um, and that was the fall of 2016. At the same time, his wife and five children were internal refugees moving around in Afghanistan to be safe from the Taliban. And he never knew how safe they were. And also, two of his brothers had been kidnapped by the Taliban because they were looking for him. So he felt guilt about that. And so we prayed and we worked. And, and eventually, last year in April, the whole family came to Oslo, and now they're all here at the camp. Wow. 
And, and, and Tina and I, we consider them, you know, really good friends. My life is richer because of that moment that none of us knew would change lives one life at a time. You know? That's why I always pick up hitchhikers. Not many of them these days, though. Finally, our lives, grace connects our lives to destiny. Have you ever thought through that you have actually not always lived on earth? That if you are 30 today, 50 years ago you weren't here? Have you thought about that? That your school or workplace or your city was actually without you? You haven't always been here. And you will not always be here either, right? But just like the master painter who may for, you know, days or weeks or months or sometimes even years imagine the masterpiece in his mind before it reaches the canvas, you were in God's imagination before the creation of the world. Did you know that? Did you know that? You were in the imagination of the master craftsman before the creation of the world. And his destiny for you is to live with him in unity forever. But right now, we live in this dual reality between the temporal and the eternal. If you have said yes to Jesus, yes to follow him, then eternity Eternal life is the life you're living now, yet in this temporal life. And so our destiny is, is eternal. And that's why grace is so important for this life. Because God's, God wants everyone to be saved. It's in God's heart and mind for everyone to be saved. And so we have to grasp the idea of sin, which leads to death but also about grace, which frees us from the slavery of sin that leads to death. God is love. And God is grace. And I don't know where you guys are at, probably different places. But grace is chasing you and me to even today. And so I would encourage you to say yes to it. You have been listening to the Vineyard Nordic podcast. For more information, please visit the Vineyard Nordic's website, vineyardnordic.org.